0: So this doesn't have anything to do with the episode we're going to talk about today. But I just need okay to say it on on the show because I think it's going to be probably at least a month after this episode is like the next time we're going to do a Deep Space Nine episode. And even that will be probably like three months after we actually record this. And so like by that time, like who knows like how far <laughs> I'll be. I could be done with D Space Nine for all I know. So I just needed to like say it. On the show, that like I was wrong. D Space Nine is good, actually. <laughs> uh, and I encourage you, Brady, to watch it. And I kind of love it now. And there are like parts of it that, like, I wouldn't go so far as to say this is how I feel, but I now understand why some people like it more than any other Star Trek. Interesting. It really, I think that the way that we watch this. The way that we do this show is, I think, fun. It's a fun like way to experience this stuff, and I think it, generally speaking, also like works pretty well for most Star Trek shows, like including like this one, which is the one we're about to watch. It's not like a great episode, but certainly doesn't really suffer from being viewed in the way that it's being viewed. Sure. Uh,
1: yeah, it isn't dependent on like having seen the second season of Star Trek Enterprise.
0: Yeah, but. D Space Nine though is just not served by that at all because mm. D Space Nine has like such a it's not even like serialized though there is some serialization stuff to it it just has like a much tighter continuity uh, to it not that there's like storylines that go on from episode to episode but just that like there is a world that it's creating like okay you watch like a uh, Voyager or original series or TNG and like they kind of just all happen in the kind of like this anodyne place where you're kind of like in the kind of an unchanging space and the characters don't really even change that much and so it's kind of about like iterating on like who those characters are as people and looking at like the circumstance that they find themselves in which then they will be done with by the end of the episode and Mm -hmm. they will go like literally to a different planet to go do something else that's totally different. And there's nothing wrong with that and I like that and I think that that's actually a very good mode for the show to be in, for the series to do as a whole. There's something very appealing about that. But *D. Space Nine, the way that that show works, like where it is all in the same place, that does change because instead of like it going to places, people come to it. But then there's also like people who are there. I'm having trouble like even like describing it but like they're being affected by the political realities of the region but also like the show just does a much more thorough job of like making these characters actually like grow and change over the course of of the series where like people change in rank and people kind of like come to realizations about themselves and about other characters and about how they feel about
1: relationships with each other and yeah kinds of things
0: and and it really like there's a part of the show that's almost a soap opera but also like there's another part of the show that's almost a sitcom where like Hmm it's much more melodramatic at times than some of the other shows are, but then also, like, there are, like, just these recurring, like, comedy characters. Like, there's, you know, Morn, who is a character who is on a ton of episodes who never speaks, but, like, they continue to joke about, like, how he is so talkative, even though we never see him say anything on the show. There's just, like, a lot of stuff like that.
1: Well, I remember when you texted this to me, I remember you saying that the point where you had this realization was when you realized you, like, cared about what happened to rom yeah who is like quark's brother who's just this sort of bumbling guy that quark is mean to and then he stumbles off screen
0: yeah he, at the beginning of the show anyway he's very stupid and he is definitely just like a comedy relief character i mean that's something else that's different about the show is that like there really aren't characters like that on the other series as much like you have like a q or a luxana that'll show up like once a season on tng you know you, you have like a barclay that shows up every now and then but like you just don't have people like Garrick or Rom or, you know, folks like that. There are other people, too, who just kind of like pop in multiple times a season. And you're just like, oh, how are they doing? And like even like there have hmm. been episodes that have been like about Quark and Rom mostly, you know, which is they just don't really do on the other shows. And
1: we have like a regular supporting cast.
0: Yeah, and the episode that I really like, you know, we we just finished Season 3 of Deep Space Nine, and Season 3, like Season 3 of TNG, I think is, like, kind of where it all comes into focus for Deep Space Nine. And I'm sure I would like the first two seasons of Deep Space Nine better now if I rewatched them, which is the same with TNG. Like, I know those who those people are now, and I'm sure I would be more tolerable of some of that stuff when I went back to rewatch it. But I was watching one of the last episodes of Season 3. It's called Facets. The A-plot is about... Jadzia meeting all of her past uh, hosts and that's a really good A-plot too like it's kind of like goes into like the Trill thing but like in an interesting way and it says things about who that character is and also about like who Kurzon Dax is who we never have seen on the show before and it goes into Odo's character in ways too that I don't want to like spoil it for you but then the B-plot is something that Rom and Quark and Nog are up to and Rom is a character who starts out as such a comic relief character and just, you know, he's like kind of funny, but he's also like very dumb and there's really not like about to him. And then like the more that you watch the show, you kind of see about how he's dominated over by Quark and like his relationship with Nog and Nog's relationship with him. And you kind of like realize, oh, like Rom actually has like some really good qualities that Quark is just kind of content to not ever recognize or utilize because they're, they're not like what Quark's priorities are. And there's a there's a moment and you kind of you kind of see this like periodically throughout this season in particular where you kind of see Rom's character really starting to like assert itself and Rom kind of getting a little bit more confidence to like say and do the things that he believes to be right. And there's a moment in this episode where Quark does something really bad and Rom figures out that he did this and then confronts him about it and just really like lays into him. And I was just like... I'm just so proud of him right now. I'm so Mm. proud of this, like, fictional character. And I'm so, like, happy that he's, like, going on this journey. And it really, like, I was just struck, like, I just... I can't really remember feeling that way very much about the main characters on other Star Trek shows. (laughs) Like, just to see him kind of overcome this and, like, do well for himself. And I was just like, yeah, like, I get it. I get it now. Um, And that doesn't mean that, like, there's not, like clunky bits of the show and like stuff that I would criticize it doesn't mean that I I still unfortunately like don't think that like Nana Visitor is like a very good actor and I still am kind of like iffy on like the prophets stuff which we've talked about before but like mm-hmm. it's good and if you are one of our 12 listeners and you've listened to the show and you've been like man they're really hard on the show we've watched like some not great episodes of the show too like like the last episode we watched. Uh, Times orphan about time traveling uh, Molly O'Brien. It's not a good episode <laughs> overall, but there's definitely a lot of good stuff to be found. And so I just wanted to like publicly state that I was incorrect and I've changed my tune. And I actually really like these first nine a lot now. Uh, hi, everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard.
1: And I'm Brady Jungle.
0: And contrary to my big long uh, spiel there at the <laughs> beginning, this episode is actually going to be about an episode of Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, season 2, episode 24, it's called First Flight. Uh, it was written by John Shiban, I think is how you say that name, and Chris Black and it was directed by Lavar Burton. So this, this is the second episode in a row that we've watched that was directed by Lavar Burton. Yeah. Lavar Burton does not appear in either of his episodes, but uh Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, he was always I think a little more one of the more underserved uh members of that cast too, which is kind of Yeah. A
1: bummer, but. So now I was thinking as we were getting started, now I have to ask you, do you think we'll ever have a similar moment with Star Trek Enterprises as, as you just had with Deep Space Nine.
0: Uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't say. I couldn't time say at this point, yeah. Only time will tell. I, I'm sure I will watch the show, but... Anyway, the, so the the Memory Alpha summary of this one is very short. It is, When he is told of the death of an old rival, Archer reflects on his days in the Annex test program. I, I actually think that it might be if we can just very quickly this is only i think the fourth episode of enterprise we've talked about um so i think it might just be good to reorient and just say that this is about the nx enterprise which is like the one i think the first like reliably warp capable ship in starfleet this is prior to the united federation of planets being formed and it's just about like this this crew kind of like going around and like kind of starfleet really getting its like feet under it for the first time and yeah. uh jonathan archer is the captain and um his first officer is a sub commander to paul who is a vulcan who is not part of the federation but she's like they're kind of as like an exchange person to help them out sort of like a, like a consultant because the vulcans were the people who first made contact with earth so that's that's kind of like the context of that this is all happening in, um, because we're going to talk a lot this episode about Starfleet origins, which yeah. you know take place significantly like a long time before the rest of the the shows take oh, place. Star Trek so. canon, yeah.
1: So I, d- I did on Hulu when I was like Hulu has its own kind of little description of the episode before it, and it was it was something along the lines of like Archer tells to Paul a story about when. He was in the NX test program or something like that, and I was just like, "Well, this is always a setup for a, a really thrilling episode of Star Trek, is one character telling another character a story."
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is a weird um, episode too because I think only four of the main cast are in this episode, and one of th- and one of them, Sato, is like literally only in one scene, barely. Yeah,
1: yeah, she has like one line. She just kind of is like, "There's a call for you."
0: Yeah, and so we don't get any Malcolm, we don't have any Mayweather, who has been on the episodes we've watched so infrequently that I forget that he's a main cast member, and we don't have any Flocks either, who I was excited to show to Kim, because this is like the first one of these that Kim has watched with me. Oh, yeah. A- and and yes, she did laugh at the song, the theme song, <laughs> <laughs> which remains hilariously incongruent with the rest of the thing.
1: But... With being a Star Trek theme.
0: Yeah, but we yeah. don't need to keep talking about it. <laughs>
1: um... Yeah, and I think what this episode does is what a lot of kind of the point of Star Trek Enterprise as a show is really showing like how did we get from sort of what we think of as like the American space program in NASA and like the transition that happened from that to the Starfleet that we've come to recognize from the rest of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And I think there's been a, I think was it the first Enterprise episode that we watched was, was I think, in the same vein, where it's more just about them figuring out and, like, developing the things that kind of become commonplace by the time Star Trek and the original series and the next generation and what we know and love has kind of rolled around.
0: Yeah, I suppose so. This one, I feel like, to me, is the first one we've done, that it really is, like, what I kind of had heard Enterprise was famous for, which is just kind of, like, what if we just explained things because <laughs> the first one we watched is relatively i think they might invent some technology or something in it but like that's kind of like ancillary to what they're actually doing which is just kind of experiencing first contact with an alien race and like not really understanding how it works and then also like someone's trying to figure out what malcolm's favorite food is or something <laughs> that's right but this one is like i know there's stuff where like they explain the borg and they explain like why klingons like lost their face ridges and they do all the you know that you see like the federation being formed and all this stuff and that is not something we've really seen i feel like until this episode where they're like okay well what if we you know this is this is about test pilot this is about testing and getting like warp capable ships like up in the air very similar to the way that they did that stuff in the space program in like the 50s and 60s yeah so yeah why don't you uh why don't you take us in to what actually happens in this episode
1: so the episode starts out with that Enterprise has come across a nebula that they've decided to kind of go out into and do some sort of test. Is essentially as interested as I could make myself get in that. Yeah,
0: it's they they don't care like, like the show cares as little as the viewer. Like it's just kind of like uh, we have to go.
1: Yeah, to take a shuttlecraft out and like detonate some things and then see what happens, like collect some readings. Is really all they're doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's the closest that the show itself has come to doing the thing we joke about on the show where they're like, "A Nebula, we got to go do some science. Like that's, like that's, that's about as lazy as it is.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I, I really have nothing to say about that part of the show, but they, they decide they need to go out into this Nebula and collect some readings. And as they're discussing this, Archer gets a call from an admiral back on earth that, somebody named A.G. Robinson, who he had worked with back when they were kind of developing the engine that ended up becoming Enterprise as like test pilots, that uh, one of the people from that had died. And Archer gets kind of very upset about this and very sad and essentially decides to go out on this mission by himself just to kind of be by himself, contemplate a little bit, and and work through this and then as he's about to leave to paul uh who's the the vulcan that's his science officer and kind of second in command decides to to come with him and joins him on this trip in a as she's like he's telling her like no you don't have to come i'd rather do it myself and she says like oh you need a science person and then she says that and also starfleet regulations prohibit the captain from leaving the ship unaccompanied which just, like, there's no way that's true, right? <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like there's so many examples
0: of... Maybe, you know, times are different back then. They they had maybe. different
1: rules. I feel like there's a lot of Star Trek where the captain goes off by himself. I mean... It, not Maybe not a lot, but...
0: In fairness, it does seem dumb for the captain to go out on a science mission by himself. That doesn't really seem I, like...
1: I agree. But, I, but it definitely happens on Star Trek. Yeah. Um, but anyways, and so they go out to this nebula... And essentially, she kind of asks him a question. He starts telling her basically all of this just functions as a frame story for Archer telling kind of this backstory of when him and this other guy were test pilots developing the they called it the NX project uh, but it it was sort of these test warp ships that then they would end up using that technology to build enterprise mm-hmm. um, and it's also a how Archer Met Tucker, I think, is what they're trying yeah. to de- explain in this episode. And the the answer to that is, like, they both worked at this thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: That's kind of it.
0: The flashbacks, uh, I, I was kind of complaining about this to Kim. I'm not sure exactly how long ago these were supposed to be. But I was struck how, like, lazy they looked in terms of, like, <laughs> this is 20, 2143 that that the flashback is taking place. Yeah. And, and 2150
1: is when this episode takes place. To,
0: 2153. No, 2153,
1: so. yeah. There's the, another flashback to 2150, and then the episode takes place in 2153. This is all according to... We're trusting Memory Alpha on this one, but yes.
0: So Tucker and uh, Archer, who are the two characters from Enterprise who appear in the flashbacks, are 10 years younger, and they make truly no attempt at all to make them look different or younger in any way yeah
1: there's no like usually for these kind of things i feel like shows will do like at least they had different hair back then yeah or, like yeah had some facial hair it didn't have some facial hair or were wearing different uniforms maybe even
0: yeah yeah because yeah, they had the same uniforms too that they have in, in the future um yeah
1: they literally just like rearranged some of the things on the sound stage or something i don't know
0: it's also funny, like, I-, I couldn't help but think a little bit of, I've not seen a ton of the show, but it made me think a little bit of Quantum Leap, because Kim, you know, that's where she mostly knows uh, Scott Bakula from. But also, like, it's about Scott Bakula has to go back to a historical event and, like, make sure it gets done, you know, kind of, like, like after it goes wrong, like...
1: Because, yeah, because this isn't part of the thing that, like, but he always, at least to the viewer, like just looks like scott Bakula, right yeah i haven't really seen much quantum leap either but my understanding is that like he sort of like takes over the body of an actual person who was there but to us he looks like scott Bakula.
0: yeah well there's like a scene at least in the ones i've seen which is mostly just i've seen a few from season one where he always takes over the, the body of a person and then he there's a moment where he looks in a mirror and they had this technology that they were clearly like very proud of when Quantum Leap was on, where you see Scott Bakula, but then in the mirror you see the person who Scott Bakula is is inhabiting so you know like what okay. that person's supposed to so look he, like and then he so at it, some
1: point in every episode he happens to there just happens to be a mirror well like
0: not even like i think it might be like other things maybe he like looks in a pool of water or like a sure a really shiny hubcap or something like that like and then there's all whenever they do that though there's always this little musical thing where it's like da da, and then sometimes he'll say oh boy because that was his that was his catchphrase on the show was oh boy hmm. yeah so and i got some like quantum leapy vibes off of this off of this episode as well but yeah, so it's uh, we can stop talking about how I'm Not very good looking. The, the flashbacks are. We we really we should probably speed this episode up because there really isn't a lot to say about it. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Go ahead.
1: I, I do want to, along that same vein, just note that was it just me mirrored? Like, all of the white guys in astronaut uniforms kind of look the same. Yeah. Like I kept seeing ones and being like, is that Tucker? No, that's just like another pilot. And that is is that one. So this one's Archer, and this one's like the other guy we're supposed to care about. And there were a couple other pilots there. And then there was the general the admiral. And then there was Tucker. And for some reason they all had like kind of receding hairlines and like kind of prominent noses. And just they all just sort of looked the same yeah. to
0: me. They all just seemed like too old to be doing this kind yeah. of like you think about because like the show and and I'm gonna talk about this more later, but like the show clearly is like it's trying to be the thing that's different about this one is that it's like about astronauts it's not about it's not about like starfleet divers, it's not about people who are on like a a ship in space or a wagon train in space or whatever it's about astronauts and
1: yeah so you're going for like the right stuff kind of yeah kind of vibe and
0: and this episode in particular really was like I feel like I was really trying to hit that really hard about, like, it's kind of, like, harkening back to the 60s when men were men and people were tough and all this stuff.
1: Yeah, and we, like, took risks and yeah. be, like, daring test pilots.
0: And I guess kept on thinking to myself about having seen pictures of those guys from that time period and, like, even, like, watching something like First Man from a couple years ago, that is not, like, they were younger than this. They were younger than Scott Bakula looks in the show, like, uh, when they were doing all these things. Scott Bakula, I think, is a believable captain at his age that he is in the show because, like, he's been through some stuff. But, like, you don't—I feel like there's just not a lot of middle-aged test pilots, you know? That's just not—it doesn't seem like that's happening.
1: Yeah, kind of the the stereotype there is, like, young, reckless kids with no family and nothing to lose and— Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or just even, like, you know, you have to be in, like, good physical condition for that stuff, like— yeah, and not that that Scott Bakula is not in good physical condition, but just like yeah, no. it's just not you know his heart's been alive longer than young people's hearts have been. You know, like, it's just that's just how it works. Like,
1: yeah, and the the other guy looks similarly like middle aged too. Um, yeah,
0: Ag Robinson,
1: who is played by a Carradine. Keith Carradine, yeah, is. Keith Carradine, yeah. And so essentially, what this the backstory that that Archer tells within the frame of doing science on a shuttle, is that back when they were in the in this test program testing out these engines, apparently the technology for this engine, they keep mentioning, like, the initial technology was developed by Archer's father. And so he, like, really wants to be the first one to fly it and the one to go past warp two, which is kind of their main goal. And they pick this other guy, AG, to do the first, the first test. And Archer, at first, is kind of, like, jealous and disappointed with him but then they do the test and the ship the warp drive overloads and he has to eject and then the argument between him and Archer is whether it's because he the pilot was like too reckless and tried to push it too hard or if there's something wrong with the engine
0: and he he's he thinks there's something wrong with the engine but Archer yeah Archer is like no it's pilot error and then he's he's backed up by Uh, trip who like was monitoring this and like that's how that's yeah it was
1: like an an engineer type person that was working on the technology of the engine Mm -hmm. and also why this kind of is such a personal thing for archer is both because it was his father's engine and he doesn't want to admit that there's a problem with it but also because this the humans developing warp technology is being very carefully sort of watched and overseen by the vulcans who are trying like not to let the humans do anything stupid or cause any damage. And so they're afraid that if something goes wrong, or there's a problem with the engine, that the Vulcans will say, no, you can't do this anymore. You have to go back to running simulations and rebuild the whole engine, and it'll be years and years before you ever get to actually like develop a warp drive and explore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so... Archer and A.G. Robinson get in a fight about this and have a bar fight.
0: I I read on you you can tell this is like a very old show in the history of Star Trek because they're all throwing real punches instead of, um, (laughs) instead of like (laughs) their weird like karate karate chop thingies. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's true. (laughs) And then,
1: and then I don't even know how we get there, but essentially, A.G. comes to Archer and says, Well, no, then first they find out from the, the admiral that the NX program has been canceled or completely like put on hold until further notice. Yeah. And they are going back and redesigning the engine because of what happened. And so AG and Archer decide to take the, the only other prototype that they have, they had, they had these two test ships and one of them was destroyed in the first test. And they decide to like, without any sort of approval, Take the other one and run another. Go do another test flight, and try to get it above warp two or yeah, whatever warp they're trying to get to.
0: Uh, two two point five, I think, is that was what that was like when they were holding steady anyway. Uh, yeah, and Trip is like monitoring them on the ground and communicating with them. Yeah,
1: he's kind of their like tech guy that like is trying to keep the se- security from finding out that they're doing this, and then also is kind of monitoring the engine itself in that. And so they go out into space, and they get to warp 2.5, and it works. And that's kind of their like triumphant moment. And they come back and appropriately get in trouble for stealing a test ship and just flying it, and try to defend that, like, well, but now we know the engine works, and now we can continue the program and and develop warp flight. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the story. I feel like I... Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Yeah. I'm not leaving anything out? Yep. And then kind of what the end of the episode is that then this test that Archer and T'Pol are doing gets the appropriate result, and essentially they see, like, this... Like, it looks like the Northern Lights, basically, um, in space. But there's this kind of, like, pretty, like, astronomic effect, and they see this nebula and are real impressed by it, and Archer's kind of like, this is why we do this, and, like... I only wish that, you know, my old friend Ag could have seen this because, like, this is what we've been trying to do this whole time.
0: Mm-hmm. And then uh, T'Pol says, "Well, you should name the nebula after him," and that's yeah, and that's the it
1: the the Robinson Nebula.
0: Yeah, this episode was extremely boring. Yeah, it's just not that interesting.
1: As you may have been able to tell from me trying to recap it. Yeah. I'll get it. Had a very hard time keeping
0: my interest. Yeah, it, it just, like, the framing device is just boring. Like, nobody cares about what's going on in the, in, like, the little shuttle thing that they're, they're on. But then, yeah, it's just, like, it's just not, uh, you know, like, that's one thing that, like, I think all Star Trek struggle with a little bit is, like, when they make episodes that are about guest stars, like, you gotta have a guest star that's, like, gonna really be doing a good job at carrying it and I, I mean I I have no idea like how good of an actor like Keith Carradine is or whatever it could just be a writing issue it just but just like I didn't care about that dude I just didn't like I, I barely care about the people who are the main characters on the show and and like Trip is like one of the worst characters also like so far in my estimation and so like don't care about him but like I think if you described this to me, I think I'd be like, oh, like, that could be an interesting idea for an episode. Like, I, in theory, want to know about, like, how they got this to work. And, like, I like the idea of, like, them kind of, like, comparing it to the space program, but...
1: Yeah, I can see what they were trying to do, but it just didn't make for interesting television at all,
0: I thought. But, like...
1: Or at least not entertaining.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, but, like, there, there are other problems with it, too, though, because, like... One thing I was thinking about is that, in addition to it being boring... It also, the thing that they do at the end is dumb because the show is supposed to be about, you know, like how these guys are basically like the new astronauts that these guys like kind of replicated in a different way what the astronauts did back in the 60s. But the astronauts never stole the space shuttle. Like, right, right. it's ridiculous that, like, how are they able to do that? Just like three dudes, like, they don't like bypass any security. They just kind of like walk into this hangar bay where there is a space shuttle basically and they just take it like they're renting a hangar at like a private airport and they have like a little plane that they want that they own that they get to take out like that's how easy it is yeah it just seemed very lazy there's just like other stuff in this episode that seemed really lazy like you know this is all happening in Archer's flashback but then there's a scene there's a scene in the flashback that doesn't have Archer in it like towards the end after they steal the the space shuttle, like, there's a scene where like the admiral's in his office, and there's oh, where
1: like, like there's like no way he could have known what was
0: yeah, and like a guy comes in and says like the ship has taken off, and he's like I didn't authorize it, and it's like why? How are we seeing this conversation if this is a story that he's telling to Paul? <laughs> there's just it, I I don't know. It, it just I I think too like the thing about it is I just was struck by some stuff this time that haven't really struck me in the other episodes of the show that we've watched. Like one one of which is that did you did this episode just seem really cheap to you? Like like the like the production and stuff, like it just did not look nice.
1: Yeah, it was just kind of it's tough to really kinda of explain what it was, but I do get what you're saying.
0: Well, I think that that's, like, one of the things in the previous episodes we watched, it's, like, one of the only things I actually like about the show is that I think it has, like, kind of an interesting aesthetic where it's, like, trying to look, make...
1: The- they're wearing, like, flight suits and... Yeah, they're
0: wearing flight suits and, like, it's way less a 1980s living room on the bridge. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make it look more space shuttle-y and, like, scientific and, like, a function craft over, like, a form craft. But that really wasn't present in this episode because they weren't on the ship for most of it. And so, like... Right. Then it kind of, I think it kind of like reveals like they had to be under some pretty major budget constraints, I would imagine. Because like, there's just like a bunch of scenes. They're in the command center for this place, which is like not the way that a command center looks in the 60s. Or like when you see that stuff, it's like, it just looks like. Yeah,
1: a... it's not like a big room with computer banks. It's just kind of like two guys standing in front of a TV.
0: Well, it, but like they're currently in a conference room with like these kind of like cruddy old plastic drapes. And it's so like incongruous to see like there's just like a Vulcan standing there, like but it's like not being played for laughs at all. It's just like that's just the serious stakes of the episode. Also, like all of the computers, yeah. if you look like if you go on Memory Alpha, you can see like there's some pictures of it. <laughs> like all the computers they're using are just at that time regular standard desktop <laughs> computers just like that have a like Dell monitor. Yeah, that just have like these very bad looking labels that are like affixed to the back of them it just looks so bad I did,
1: yeah i didn't even notice that it it, yeah. it,
0: it it would not have looked futuristic at the time even and now it just looks like painfully old uh yeah so that that was just not working and then ultimately i think my biggest complaint about this episode is that i get what they're trying to go for with like the kind of the tougher times tough people kind of in these situations i get it i understand it and i i don't think that's like inherently a bad idea but i don't like it like i don't i don't like that the because even like in the kirk period where kirk kind of did some of these kinds of things still the ultimate message was that Starfleet is a group of nice people out there doing like nice stuff, and uh, by the time this episode comes out, we'll have talked about the Lorax show for a special, and I'm going to talk about how how like that show is kind of ultimately about like how nice everyone in Starfleet is and like the niceness of being in Starfleet, and I don't really care to watch these two dudes have a. A measuring contest, you know, and fight with each other and then, like, steal a ship and, like, you know, I I just, I just don't, I just don't care about it. Like, it's, like, this very, like, traditional idea of masculinity. It's very male. It almost just kind of seems like it's, it's this weird version of, like.
1: the two guys, like, standing in a bar, sort of, like well lucky you you get to be first and like well I'll make some joke but really uh I'm mad like, about it want to punch you in the face yeah and
0: it's like almost like this thing of like well yeah back in the day like these guys were tough and, and it's like well that's yeah. I'm glad that that was back in the day
1: yeah and this is especially it's incongruous when like this is supposed to be in the future yeah right? like presumably like a hundred years from now we're acting more like we did 50 years ago hmm.
0: I like that Starfleet has turned into a place where they have a ship's counselor who can sit on the bridge, you know, and like who's just like this yeah. very like chill, nice person. You know, but she's important and like they realize like that kind of thing is important. And I understand that like in earlier days, like maybe that was luxury they couldn't afford because, you know, they are still like kind of recovering from like the damage they did to the earth in the nuclear in World War Three from the previous century and stuff, like I get it, but I just it's almost like there's something about it that is, like, similar to the way that I feel about watching Discovery, or the way I feel about watching, like, the Abrams movies, where I'm just, like, I don't really care about Starfleet being bad. And honestly, like, you know, I have not really run into, like, Section 31 yet on Deep Space Nine, but I'm a little bit worried about it, because, like, even though I just talked a bunch at the beginning of this episode about how much I liked Deep Space Nine, like, I don't love that there's a Starfleet CIA in that show, you know, we'll see how it, we'll see how it goes because like I do, I mean that ultimately like obviously even in a good organization, you can have like bad people doing bad stuff, which I I suppose is like a way you could like write off like the stuff in say Picard with um, the sunglasses Romulan and mm-hmm. all the stuff that she's up to. But I just ultimately that is not as interesting to me as like this kind of problem-solving in, like, the world of the socialist utopia kind of a thing that is that is later on Star Trek stuff. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that is a good point. And I think that's especially... And I wonder... I think I've asked this before, and maybe a little off-base, but, like, I wonder... It, and maybe not this specific episode. Like, I think this episode may have been boring and not extremely well-written, regardless but i wonder does enterprise suffer in some way from being a star trek show Mm. like it just because it's tonally very different from star trek that you're just like this isn't good star trek this isn't what i come to star trek for and like if it were just like another sci-fi show would there be would your feelings about it be different and again like maybe not specifically this episode because i i agree i think this and this and I just moved back to northeastern Tennessee there. Um, But I think this episode is not particularly engaging or entertaining uh, for a number of reasons. And and like you said, not necessarily very well made. Um, I wonder, in that sense, if they... Is this during a period of time where your entire visual effects budget got blown on CGI that didn't age
0: well? Yeah, like all the stuff with the all the stuff with the ship going into warp.
1: Yeah, and you just then realized you had no money left for set design or props or costumes or things. Yeah, maybe or wigs I, even.
0: And I do want to be. I want to be fair. I mean, you know, we just we talked about this at the beginning. Like, yeah, I think that that's what we had said before about Deep Space Nine. Is like this is not what I want. This is not what I come to Star Trek for.
1: Like it doesn't feel like a Star Trek adventure. It feels like
0: a But like, yeah, I mean I like I said, I would I would have to like come come around and say, well, I actually was wrong about that because not only does Deep Space Nine is it good, but like it definitely fits into the world of Star Trek. Like you you watch it, and like that's one of the pleasures about watching TNG and then watching Deep Space Nine and then even like watching Voyager. Something we didn't talk about in the last episode was that like it's a Cardassian Missile in the episode we watched a couple weeks ago, and how I have really been enjoying like how the the shows of that time period did a really good job of like incorporating like visual senses of how different races make things look differently, and so you can you get under that missile and you're like oh yeah this is a Cardassian missile like it looks like Cardassian stuff, hmm. and
1: that's interesting the like visual
0: yeah and so like it turns out that I was wrong I think Deep Space Nine actually does really work in that context and so maybe enterprise does too but it's not that i have a problem with the premise it's that i just have a problem with like the execution you know like i don't know that's fair yeah but yeah i mean you might be right though it still might be more interesting if it had just kind of been like divorced from this thing because then yeah i don't think i would probably have the same i would i don't think i would be as bothered by like the kind of vestiges of not i mean i think it's a little harsh to say like, toxic masculinity but like the vestiges of like broiness that are in this episode yeah
1: yeah for sure
0: but i don't know what about you anything else any any other takeaways you had from from watching this
1: i only had a couple of small things which were mostly just like because of the mood i was in apparently like small gripes about the writing yeah um like one of them was that apparently there's in the year 21 21- Forty-three, only one kind of beer, because there's a point where they're they're sitting at the bar, um, because a a large amount of this show takes place at a bar, which is and I I don't know if I really have anything to say about, but like a recurring character in, in this is Ruby, who's the bartender there.
0: Oh yeah, who who is mentioned. His promise to to marry anyone who can guess the name she's picked out for her.
1: Yeah, what she's going to name her first
0: kids, which is an uh, insane detail. of oh, Go on. Right. Or was that the thing you're going to criticize? Was that? Was that?
1: No, the, it it wasn't that. I it was one of those. I felt like that. I did feel like that should be in some way mentioned, but didn't have anything really to say about it. Um, but yeah, because because like Trip is trying to to hit on her and trying to guess. Um, that and then that never I presumably never goes anywhere um but there's a point where I think it's when the admiral comes into the bar and archer's like can I buy you a drink sir and he's like yeah I'll have a beer and ruby comes over and archer's like one beer please and she's like coming right up yeah and I was just like do they they really only have one kind of like you just order like beer and she'll be like i know exactly what to get you
0: yeah i feel like a lot of shows probably fall into that trap but yeah you're you're right yeah
1: so that that was one the other one was just a like a couple things where i felt like they like there's just a a degree of writing where they weren't confident enough that you would get what they were trying to say that they had to add an extra line to explain it Mm -hmm. um like there's one where tucker is introducing himself and he's like you know my name's char is his name charles i think uh, so you know i'm charles tucker the third, but everybody calls me trip and then he's like because i'm the third and so it's triple and so that's why they call me trip and i feel like that's just like they put too much effort into explaining why this character's nickname is trip which is like presumably a like a nickname people have heard before for somebody who's like you i'd you know when i heard like they call him trip you just kind of assume oh it's probably cuz he's whatever the third sure like i feel like that's not an unheard of nickname that you have to like put that much effort into explaining
0: sure i guess i never thought about it but also i don't it didn't need to be explained to me you know <laughs> like
1: that's <laughs> just like they call him trip and just like that's the character in the name yeah yeah
0: like like they call me Scotty, well cuz i'm Scottish, you know, (laughs) (laughs) do you get it? Right. right.
1: But the, the other one that I feel like they could have just could have been written better was there's a, I think it's, I think it is Rosie or maybe it's when he's talking to Paul, but somebody asks Archer like why he cares so much about getting to be the first pilot to fly the thing and why he's so upset that AG got it instead. And he says, do you know what, what Buzz Aldrin said when he stepped on the moon? And they're like, no, I don't. And he's like, well, that's because, or, or he says, uh, nobody does um, because Armstrong did it first.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I feel like you could have sort of trusted the the viewer to kind of get what you were saying if you just said, like, neither, you know, like, do you remember what Buzz Aldrin said? Neither does anybody else. Yeah. And like, kind of trust your viewer to fill in what you were going for there. I right, feel like yeah. adding an extra line kind of makes it a, a less, like, it could have been actually a really good. Good line where you're like, "Huh," and they they just kind of overexplained it just a little bit. Yeah, I
0: agree. That's that's a good point. Yeah, i I want to be I want to be a booster when we can be a booster. I think still like the 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 most recent episode we we watched, the the kind of the alternate timeline one. That's definitely still the best one. And
1: yeah, I really liked that one. I have to say, like I liked. What yeah, the-
0: give me. I think there's definitely interesting things to be had in the show, and I certainly even. I've, I've read stuff about the show, and I've, I've even, like, seen little bits and pieces in, in in the game, the timelines game, like, where I'm thinking, of myself, oh, that sounds interesting. Like, I'd like to see that. And I just really feel like that is not, like, the window to the show that so far we have been given in our random number generator. I feel like we've been kind of, you know, <laughs> either, like, you know, the first one was just, like, a very, like, self-contained thing. The second one was just kind of, like, a nightmare like the the third one, a, a, there's like a little bit of that stuff, you know, because we see like a little bit of Zindi stuff, and then this one is just like again, like this is kind of the other part of the show, which is, I think, a little bit less interesting to me, but like the like explainer part of the show, where, again, I think it's it could be it could be good. I I some of that stuff where it's like or they have an episode where it explains why Klingons, used to not have ridges and then they do again like that that like yeah that that to me seems like a mistake that that to me seems like one of those like slash film like here's the biggest plot holes in star trek like that where like that kind of stuff i just i can't yeah i don't abide it but like some of that stuff can work but (laughs) yeah i don't know you
1: don't need to know why han solo said that he made the kessel run in yeah yeah
0: but but like (laughs) sorry you know, give me some temporal Cold War, you know, give me the, yeah. give me that, that guy we got in timelines. That's like a, 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 <laughs> humanoid, a the figure. humanoid figure who's like this in this weird transporter being from the future. Like, give me, uh, you know, even like, let me see the foundation of the, the Federation of planets, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I just, yeah.
1: I mean, even the, like the episode that was coming up on this, after this one on Hulu, the like description of it was Archer gets captured by a Tellarite bounty hunter. And like taken to the Zindi for interrogation. And I was just like, well, that sounds more interesting than this.
0: Yeah, yeah. That does sound more interesting. And I don't know, I'm just I'm waiting just, just yeah. by virtue of the way we do this, like I can't I can't pick. And you know, this there's fewer episodes of this than there are of like the, the big nineties ones. So it's just I, I want to remain open. I want to remain like yeah. I want this to be I'd love it if this kind of became a D Space Nine thing for me, where like I experienced it. And I'm like, okay, this is the way in. like, this is like the nut that needs to get cracked. And then I'm here and I'm here yeah. for you, you know, enterprise. Cause I know there are people who like the show. Like,
1: yeah. And, and yeah, I'll say the same thing that I almost like, like from things I've heard about it and, and similar experiences, like I do at some point want to, wa- like, I would be interested to watch enterprise just to like, kind of see what these things are and what they do. Hmm. Like I may even be more interested to, watch Enterprise than Deep Space Nine, even though, like, I'm sure overall Deep Space Nine is probably better. Like, I'm just more curious about Enterprise mm-hmm. and, like, what these things that I've heard of actually are.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, like, the the oddest man out. I guess it depends on who you ask, but I feel like Enterprise is definitely, yeah. like, the really the one that just doesn't really have... There are people who like it, but it's not... It doesn't have a lot of people, like, going to bat for its defense. You know, you, you definitely see people who are, like, Deep Space Nine partisans... I think certainly like in the last few years, I think you really have seen a reappraisal of Voyager by a lot of people. Like there, like there are people who who Janeway is their favorite captain, and like understandably so. You know, in in the episode we we are gonna do next time, there's a scene that I was watching with Janeway in it where it's like, oh man, like that is absolutely radical. Like that's just so so cool. And yeah, this one it really is like the maligned like cousin. And, yeah. and so,
1: yeah. Yeah. I would say there's probably people that defend enterprise. I don't think anyone would say that enterprise is the best star Trek. Yeah. Whereas I think pretty much every other show probably has a contingent of people who think that it's, it's like the best one.
0: Yeah. I want to, I want to understand. So I, I guess I just that that would be my, my kind of like closing overture to Enterprise is that like, <laughs> I want to get it. I'm not saying that I am writing it off. I just saying that like, the modes in which the show has engaged with us so far have just not really been that there's, there's not been for me, but, but yeah, thank you. You know, everybody for listening. I think that's, that's it for this week. Um, we are part of the Kaleidoscope media network and uh, you can check out our three sister shows on the network. Uh, there's here's Johnny, which is a podcast about horror media. That's not how science works is a podcast about the intersection of science and pop culture. And then uh, wizard studies talks about uh, Harry Potter topics. As for us, our episodes come out every other Sunday, and our next episode is going to be about Voyager Season 5, Episode 8, which is called Nothing Human. So you can check that out in the next couple of weeks. And then in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at contracts. You can visit our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com, or you can email us at contracts at gmail.com. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. And I think that's about it. So we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks, everybody. Bye.